Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. It's obviously a special episode of Big Apple Hockey because I got a guest today and it's not, it, usually it's Philk or Anthony or maybe I can get like a, a, our Cades contributor, but I've got, and I'll introduce him first before I even do myself, the uh, host of Devil State of Mind, Neil Villapiano. Neil, say hi to everybody. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for uh, for having me on, Mark. Uh, excited to be here. Obviously, considering what happened last night in game number four, I couldn't be even more excited. I mean, I'm just absolutely through the roof right now. This has been a phenomenal, phenomenal series so far. I think it's lived up to a lot of the hype that we've seen through four games. And now we got a big time game on uh, game coming up in game five on Thursday. But I'm excited to jump on here and talk uh, talk some Devils hockey with everybody. Yeah, and uh, we've been trying to get this along for a while. I, of course, am your host, Mark Williams, and I am about as angry as that apple that's down there right now because, uh, you know, I, I always, uh, first, before we get too far into this series and into a lot of the talk, let's get some background information from you. Um, mm -hmm. How long have you been a Devils fan? Who's your favorite Devil all time? And if you want to do right now as well, and as well as, who is, uh, what is your favorite devil memory? Sure. So I've been a devil's fan since about 2005. Uh, my dad used to take me, uh, to games and, you know, I, I've always been just a huge fan of the local sports teams. I've always been a local sports guy and, you know, hockey was one of those sports that I really resonated with. I love the speed. I love the physicality. I love the team name, you know, New Jersey Devils. It's just very, very cool. And so I was immediately hooked to not only the sport, but the Devils as a whole right away, all the way back in 2005. Um, and my my biggest memory as a Devils fan up until this point, and there's been a couple of good ones. There's definitely been a couple of good ones, but I think the biggest one for me, and obviously it's going to rub a little salt in the wounds for some people watching right now, but of course it's got to be game six of the 2012 uh, conference finals. Adam Henrique, it's over. I mean, one of, you know, certainly the biggest moment, I think, for a young Devils fan like myself and for a lot of young Devils fans that, you know, we're kind of still holding on to that. But we're hoping that this Devils team can make some more memories like that, not just now here in this series and in the playoffs, but, you know, moving forward into the future. And as far as my my favorite Devil the, the obvious one for me all time has got to be Martin Berder. He's the one that got me into the sport. He's the one that convinced me to be a goaltender when I was young and I got the chance to play in high school. Um, so he's always going to be my my favorite all time. But my current favorite devil is the captain, Nico Heischer. Had a tremendous game for last night, and he really leads by example. You know, he's not the flashy guy like Jack Hughes is or even Jesper Bratt. He's a quiet you know, leader. He's the heartbeat of this team. And when we need him to make a big play like he did last night, that's exactly what he does. And I think he's going to be, you know, you can really see him become a similar Patrice Bergeron type guy, a guy who can compete for the Selkie trophy and continue to be just a great, not only offensive forward, but also a defensive forward as well. Really strong 200, two foot, you know, you know, two-way game. Uh, I love his demeanor, love his presence, and I love the way he plays the game. And and I just love how he represents the Devils well, both on and off the ice. I I have my ticker. I just realized it was not working properly because uh, I did not uh, <laughs> I, I did not get uh, the, I had it all set out for this. I had to fix this real quick. Um, 
Rangers Devils are even. And because uh, I, I actually had one with saying that you're that subscribe to your podcast. I'll fix that again when we start getting rolling again. So no. um, <laughs> but no worries. obviously another member of the Hockey Podcast Network, everybody. And uh, so because we're going to be talking about Nico Heischer. It's funny you're bringing him up. We're going to be talking about him a lot today. Everybody, again, uh, look for the final buzzer whenever Phil can do one, hopefully soon, because uh, he's going to have a lot that he's chopping at the bit to talk about. Look for my 60-second game reviews. They will continue no matter if the Rangers are in the playoffs or not, or the Islanders for that matter. Look for us on Rumble, because we just started that up. And also playoff articles. There's there's going to be some ju- doozies at the end of this. And the hat that I'm wearing, the Big Apple Hockey Trucker hat, you can get one down in the link below. To go click on there. And like I said, we're joining forces with the Hockey Podcast Network and the Devil State of Mind host that is right next to me. And uh, again, I thank you also for your help and your recommendations on going to um uh oh my god American whiskey when I yeah. went to uh when I went to the Devils game. Yep. So uh, this is why the network exists. The network exists to, you know, network. So you get to exactly. know people. And of course, exactly. all the time with this, we're, uh, we're brought to you by SeatGeek. Use SeatGeek and the promo code BigAppleHockey for uh, $20 off your first order. All right. So the let me start by saying this. Uh, the New York Rangers offensive highlights, I have them right here for everybody. And it basically was that because uh, the Devils. This has been uh, sort of a shock to me in this series, and we're gonna. I'm gonna go through the bullet points. We'll come back to it again. But the Rangers win the two track meets, and the Devils uh, lose. Uh, the, the win the win the two defensive battles. It's it's amazing to me. Um, but we also and may have uh, one of my other co-hosts might come on in another minute uh, or so, Mr. Anthony Larocco. He might be able to make some time for us. Let's get into last night's game. The New Jersey Devils beat the New York Rangers 3-1 to one at Madison Square Garden, tied the series at two. Like I just mentioned a minute ago, Devils uh, Rangers win the two track meets. Devils win the two defensive battles. Akira Shmeen, been the difference in the series so far. 35 saves game three, 22 saves game four, a 966 save percentage. I don't know whether or not that's going to be sustainable. And, of course, the guy that everybody's going to talk about, um, my – Former teammates, nephew, I always mention this as a tidbit. Uh, Jack Hughes, who scored two minutes and 50 seconds, and it looked like the Rangers were about to take the lead. Hughes comes back, basically has a shootout attempt. That's how much room he had. Mm-hmm. And um, But then Nico Heischer, who's played very well defensively in game three, he stopped. All, he, he broke up a lot of cross-ice passes. He did. And that's what the Devils have done, I think, in the last two games. But he feeds it all the way across the Sigenthaler, and then Sigenthaler gets the game-winning goal. I tell you one thing: Igor Sesterkin wants that one back. That is an absolute mm-hmm. crusher. No answer by the New York Rangers when he sure does run into Lundqvist. It might not have been intentional. He was going for a goal, but he st- you still got to have some control. I used to hear that all the time about when Chris Kreider ran into the goalie. <laughs> but, right. Uh, yeah. And lastly, uh, teams that win game five when a series uh, is tied at two wins about 80% of the time. 
Neil, I'm going to turn this one over to you. What are your thoughts on first the first two games and then the Devils coming back and tying the series? Well, I think I think the first thing you look at is that it was certainly a tale of two uh, two games, right, or four games, really. I mean, you look at the first two games, Devils with a lot of hype, a lot of excitement, finally back in the playoffs the first time in five years, going up against your hated rivals in the New York Rangers, a team you had a lot of success against, winning three out of the four games against them in the regular season. And the Rangers basically came out and punked the Devils. I mean, they smacked them right in the mouth in the first two games. You know, Vitek Vanacek looked really, really rough out there. The offense was not clicking. This just was not the Devils team that we had seen all year long. And if anybody wanted to write off the Devils after two games, I totally understand it. The Devils got blown out in the first two games at home. Games three and four, back in the Garden, where the Rangers have really, really had a lot of success, particularly this year, and certainly in the playoffs recently. Why wouldn't you pick the Rangers to maybe not necessarily sweep, although I did hear a lot of people say the Devils were going to get swept after losing the first two games, but... You know, certainly to make this a quick series. I think that was really what a lot of people thought it was going to be after the first two games. And if you are you were a Devils fan, if you are a Devils fan, you were at a pretty low point going into game number three. You were hoping the Devils would find a way to bounce back. And bounce back indeed, as they really played, like you mentioned, a really, really good defensive game. They made a couple of switches, particularly in net, putting in Akira Schmid, who's making his, you know, Playoff debut, first rookie goalie to start a game for New Jersey since 1994, and Marty Brodeur did it. And I keep telling Devils fans, please don't get ahead of yourself and think Akira Schmidt after two games is the second coming of Martin Brodeur. But, you know, I think at putting Schmidt in the lineup, I think maybe gave this team a jolt of energy. And I think you got to give a lot of credit to Ryan McGill, the defensive coach for this team, who really put together a really solid game plan defensively to really kind of frustrate the top guys for the Rangers. That's who the guys stepped up in games one and two. A lot of those guys, with the exception of Chris Kreider, who did score the only goal in game three, they kind of neutralized a lot of those guys, particularly Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin. Panarin had no shots in game four. The Devils did a lot to frustrate the Rangers. And in many ways, the Devils didn't completely go back to the way that they normally play because, like you mentioned, these were two defensive games. The Devils have been known throughout the year to, to, you know, win the track meets. Well, the Devils didn't win those track meets. They got blown out. So they actually ended up playing a more defensive, really good structured game. And it ultimately worked. You found a way to win it over time. Good job of going top shelf on both goals from Hughes and Dougie Hamilton. And then in game number four, you kind of took the momentum early on. You know, that puck... You know, the Rangers look like they're about to score. Andre Pilat does a great job of keeping the puck out. Sigethal with a beautiful flip to Jack Hughes. And Hughes just does not miss. And you really felt like for a long period of time that the Rangers may not score at all. But, you know, in the game like that, you knew the Rangers were going to find a way to get at least one back. And they did. Vinny Trocek with the goal. But the Devils responding as well as they did right after. Almost immediately after the Rangers tied it. Devils came back and bombarded Shesterkin with shots. Made him uncomfortable. And then the Devils with about eight and a half minutes to go in the game. Nico Heischer coming up the right side. And he makes arguably his most impressive pass of his still very young career. Through the legs of Jesper Bratt to a streaking Jonas Siegethaler who buries it under the glove of Shesterkin off the far post and in. And... Like you mentioned, Mark, that's got to be one that Shesterkin wants to have back. You can even mm -hmm. tell he reacted to the goal. He was like, 
I can't believe I didn't get that one. Because I didn't even, when I was broadcasting the game, I did not immediately see the puck in the back of the net. I thought Shesterkin just had it. I didn't think that was his goal. But you saw the way Jonas Siegenthal reacted immediately because he knew he had that goal, and he did. And you could see it just took the life out of the Rangers, not just the fans, but I think the players themselves. Because you could see the Rangers went back to holding their sticks too tight and really trying to overdo things. And as a result, you saw it. With two minutes to go, Shesterkin gets pulled. Rangers can't even set up very well to, to get an opportunity. They were struggling to keep the puck in the zone, and eventually the Devils were able to cash in on an empty netter to put the game away. So for the Devils, to go from where we were at the end of last week to where we are now is nothing short of a tremendous, resilient job by this Devils team. And now they put themselves in a position to potentially go up three games to two with Game 5 being back at the Rock and hit, give themselves two opportunities to knock out the Rangers and move on to the second round of the playoffs. But, again, as we've seen through the first four games, having the home ice doesn't really seem to matter in this series. It just does not seem to matter as both teams have lost each of their first two games at home. But, as you mentioned, Game 5, statistically, such an important game. Such an important game. Puts one of these two teams one win away from going to the second round. And so it's going to be electric. And with the extra day off, they don't play today. They don't play on Wednesday. They don't play on Thursday. It's going to be is so vital for both teams. Gives them a chance to rest. Gives them a chance to evaluate. Take more of a deep breath. And then get yourselves ready for a best of three series moving forward. But I think overall for the Devils, Mission accomplished. They showed why they were the best team in the NHL in terms of road record all year long. And uh, they played a game, they played a system, a style that the Rangers were more accustomed to playing. Even like, particularly last year, low scoring, solid goaltending. And the Devils were able to neutralize Igor Shesterkin being that main difference between these two teams. Devils were able to neutralize that with the way Schmidt has played through two games. But it's only been two. But if you're a Devils fan, you got to be excited after these two games and looking forward to game five on Thursday. Well, it's anytime you could ever get back to even is always a, a, a thing that just is going to be great for the clubs. Right. I mean, I can't tell you how many times just even playing men's league or all the years that I've played hockey that if you're, if you're trail or if you're, you're put behind quickly, it just gets on you. It hurts. And then uh, of course, you know, you get you lose one at the end of a period. That's another thing, too. The Devils getting the first goal last night was huge. Uh, it's only the second time in the series that the first goal held up and ended up. The, the team never lost the lead, I should say, because there's been a lot of lead changes in these in, in going back to the regular season. First, let me just read this one comment from what I like to say. Uh, call him Control Room Anthony because uh, he's just come on. And I always love when he, Anthony can ever just watch and get these in there. Anthony is saying, here's why I think the Rangers could be a troubled home team has not won a game yet. That is not the, the norm. It is not unreasonable to think that will continue. So if the Devils win game five. The Rangers could find themselves needing to win two in a row. I think both of these teams are capable of winning two in a row. So I'm not going to put as much belief that at team X that wins game five, then start booking your tickets to uh, Carolina. Sorry, Islander fans. It's probably what's going to going to happen, but I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot very tough because when it comes 
to older teams, experience is what matters. When it comes to younger teams, confidence is what matters. And right now the Devils are feeling very confident. And that's right. why there were so many th- – that's why, you know what, it helps to have a guy like Andre Palat with all of his experience in the Devils locker room. But you got to think that now with the Rangers locker room, what's their response? Uh, right. The Rangers have no answer to the Devils' adjustment. Tommy, you're right about that. Uh, they can't even clear the zone clearly. They, The Rangers, it's amazing. I have to say this about their last two games. I've watched them, and it's almost like you, you heard the term of football all the time, and obviously you're a football fan with the Giants stuff that's right behind you. Yeah. Um, bend, bend but not break. You always hear that about bend but not break defense. The Devils have sort of played a version of that because I think there's been a lot of offensive zone time the Rangers have had. But the problem is they haven't gotten shots out of it. They haven't gotten quality chances out of it. Like game three, I thought the Rangers had the puck in the devil zone the entire time. Right. But it didn't show up on the score sheet at the end. I mean, 35 saves. That's one story. But still. And now you look at that goal. Again, when we talk about Igor needing that goal, that is a weak goal for Igor. You're talking about him being he, – he, he did go cross uh, almost post to post, but he was set. He was looking at Siegenthaler, who's a left-handed right. shot, going for the catching glove. And now I understand it's not a natural movement to move it. He got it underneath the catching glove, not over right. it. And it went through him that way. But even Igor would say, no, you, you got to have that goal. And you being a goalie, you would know that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, I would say first and foremost that Shesterkin through four games has played really well. Um, you oh, know, yeah. he is not he is not allowed the Devils to really explode offensively. Um, and that's to that's to be expected. Uh, if you're Shesterkin, you, you had to have loved the offensive showcase your team in front of you gave you through two games. But if you're Igor Shesterkin today, you got to be a little bit frustrated that you have played relatively well in games three and four, good enough to win both games. But your team just could not seem to solve the Devils' defensive structure and Akira Schmid. And, you know, I don't want to say that Shesterkin's the reason the Rangers lost game number four. But I think the timing of the goal and the goal that that ended up happening, uh, I think, really kind of knocked a little bit of confidence. Not from Shesterkin, but I think from the team as a whole. Because I think that they recognized in the moment they had the opportunity they could win this game. They could, you know, despite playing poorly throughout most of it, and they could not get it done. And you know, Shesterkin, you know, he's gonna be he's gonna be thinking about that goal for the next uh, forty eight hours. But luckily for him, he'll have you know a chance to just get it out of his system and then refocus for game number five. And the Rangers are gonna go into game five looking like this: we blew them out in games one and two in New Jersey. What's to say we can't win another game in New Jersey? We've already done it several times. There's no there's no reason we can't do it. The question is, as it was brought up earlier in the chat, can the Rangers find a way to get through this defensive structure that New Jersey has put out? They'll have a couple of days to look at it, scout it, try to figure it out. The Devils will also have a chance to kind of figure it out because while they have been able to get multiple goals past Justerkin, they still have not been able to really break out offensively. Timo Meyer is still, you know, missing in action in terms of scoring. He seems to be in the penalty box a lot more than he would like. It's definitely been interesting the way the penalties have been called on Timo in particular. Jack's starting to find his game. Nico, I think, is going to eventually get going. And Jesper Bratt, you know, he hasn't gotten a goal yet, but, you know, he's created a couple of really good opportunities. So these guys, a lot of them, they're very close to really, you know, breaking out. 
Can the devils find the loophole or loopholes, plural, to exploiting Shesterkin more than just one or two goals? Can they get three? Can they get four? Can they really shell him like you saw particularly early on in the series against Pittsburgh last year where Shesterkin looked like he could not even stop a beach ball? But when Shesterkin is on his game and the Rangers' defensive structure is there, you saw it in games one and two. Frustrates the Devils, frustrates any fast, speedy offensive team. Um, and the Rangers have to get back to that. If they don't get back to that, you, you nobody's going to like their chances in in you know these next three games uh, moving forward. But the biggest question for the Devils is this: like I said before, can they win at home? Nobody's been able to do that yet. The Devils yeah. have struggled most of the year at home anyway. But can they take the excitement and the momentum and the energy and channel that correctly into putting out a tremendous performance in game number five and getting the win. I think that's really what you're going to look for from the Devils. And in terms of the Rangers, can they get back to a level that they were playing at in games one and two? I think they certainly can with the firepower that they have. They just have to take a breath and just like the Devils, just believe that, you know what? We can beat this team. We know we can. We just got to keep pushing. The goals are going to come. I kind of was comparing this to the 2008 playoff series yesterday, but now I can actually compare this series a little bit to uh, yes, uh, last year's Eastern Conference Finals, where the Rangers come out, absolutely blitz the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first two games. And right. then they even take the lead in game three. Then, yeah. obviously, Tampa ties it, and they end up getting uh, the winner uh, for the Tampa Bay lightning last year. They got the winner in the final minute might as well have been overtime, but, and it was by Andre Pilat, uh, your guy now, yeah. uh, but it, and then they, the Rangers kind of play a lifeless game four, uh, which was on my uh, birthday. So it was awesome to go down there and see that <laughs> lifeless game. And then, um, and and then, and, and then it's a matter of can they lock it down in game five and, and do it again. Now, again, the big problem to mention in that is that Andre Pallad had the game winner in game five. Obviously, uh, I'm trying to be as impartial as I can as a podcaster, but clearly as a Rangers fan, I don't want to see that happen again. No. Um, but I do wonder about the Nico Heischer run on Igor Sisterkin whether or not the yeah. Rangers are going to answer on him on that. And uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, and you can even see the look on Heischer's face uh, during the play. He, he wasn't intending on running uh, Sesterkin. In he went way. right to Igor and like put his arm around him. And, at, and I'm sure he asked him in some degree or another, if he was okay. And right. I didn't want to see that, you know, as much as Shesterkin has been on his game and if he wasn't, in, you know, in net, that's good for the Devils. I don't want to see him get hurt. So when he was hunched over like that, I was like, I don't want to see Shesterkin come out this game. Like if the Devils are going to win this series, I'd like to be able to say, oh, we beat Shesterkin and not, oh, because Shesterkin got hurt and we have to face, you know, Yaroslav Halak for the rest of the series. Uh I'm going to just go from the comment that was on from Pacquiao before, and I'm going to go through this comment where Pacquiao said the Rangers are not good enough to just go through the motions and beat good teams. Guess what? I don't think any team is good enough to go through the motions. Look at the Colorado Avalanche right now because you want to I talk think about Seattle might upset them. Honestly, I, I, I'm like, I'm telling you like Seattle gets another game in Colorado. I think that series is done. I think also part of that is uh, everybody wants to, this is one thing I always kind of bring up. And if you if people that watch the show know, I always bring this up. But when it comes to young goalies, especially, 
when they have to handle a heavier workload. This is why I thought I picked the Rangers in six in this series initially, because I thought Vanacek was going to break down as the series, as the season went on. And he has, he's had uh, his month of February and his month of uh, March, he was below 900 save percentage. The one thing that scared me about this series was when they put in Schmidt, because um, once they put him in, he was, he was probably fresher. He probably doesn't really think about what the situation is going to be. Like Louis and Ming last year made the whole joke about uh, what was it, uh, pork and rice or something yeah. like that. Pork and rice, uh, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like that. High pork or something like that. But yep. um, and then he just relaxed and just uh, ended up winning games. Eventually, the Rangers ended up getting to him. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because I think I think Schmid is is right now in their heads, and he's not. The Rangers need to find a way to make him uncomfortable. And right now he is more comfortable than uh, somebody sitting on a throne of Sherman, which leads me into this, this comment. Uh, if, if I was Rangers fan, I would be furious with Panarin guys. Sharman soft seems like nothing has changed since Drury called him out last year. And after they got bounced and I got to say this, this, this why is the trade rumors came out during the off season. Well, is because of this is what Drury said, because I remember like at one point, some like it was for like maybe a week. People were saying, oh, the Rangers are looking to shop Panarin. And I was like, did I miss something? I And granted, like I wasn't watching the playoffs much last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I was a little surprised by that when I first heard that. I know it didn't last very long, but I was. Well, scared. here's the thing. Panarin's a point per game player in the playoffs uh, in his career, but he's also one of those guys that shows up and disappears. And uh, that's that's one of those things. I think whenever anybody starts to say, oh, the trade rumors are happening, I just I always have to first point and say, how? Because when it comes to this, he's got a full no trade clause, and it's going to be yeah. there for a few more years. And I yeah. love it when people always bring up, oh, well, you could always ask a guy to waive his no trade clause and he'll move on. Where are you? Where is he going to want to go? If I always bring, like, if when it's when it's um, when it's a player that signs with a rebuilding team as Panarin did. Now that the team is good and has a shot at winning the Stanley Cup, you're going to think he's suddenly going to go. Nah, you know, I'll get out of here. Yeah. Same thing with and, and leave the bright lights of New York as well. By the way, I mean, yeah. just, you know, I mean, his, his, his wife likes likes living here too. So yeah. it's it, it's it's there's so much more than just. Oh, the guy is soft. Well, he's soft. He's ours for the next three years. That's the way to say it. Uh, there's there's no way around it. And I, don't know if I, that's, I don't know if soft is necessarily the right word. I mean, I'm not trying to be I'm not I'm not trying to defend Panarin by any means here and start a fight with Rangers fans. But like, I don't know if I necessarily say he's soft. I just I think in game three, he had a lot of unlucky situations. I mean, there were several times where he shot it and you could see Panarin like. How many times did you see him like just just tilt his head up to the sky? Just like why? Um, I think it was game four. He had that one time shot where he completely missed the net. He's done yeah. that at least three or four times in this series, and I wonder if it's right now just a psychological thing with with Panarin. Are you familiar with the term squeezing sawdust out of the stick? No, but that's a new. That's definitely a new one for me. It's, it's always a baseball one. I've used it for hockey as well. It's, you, know, okay. you end up you, you end up getting nervous and you end up just 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 tightening up your grip. Think yeah. about that. In the first two games, the Rangers won by a combined score of ten to two. Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad had uh, three points combined in that, mm-hmm. and they were all assists. 
Those guys, if, if one of those guys can score and get on the board, that might change things. Who is the devil that you would look at and go, he's asleep, don't wake him up? It would be probably Jesper Bratt. Um, I know Timo Meyer has also been, you know, he's been, the thing about Timo is that he's been involved in a lot of opportunities to score and everybody's been noticing him and he's obviously taken a bunch of penalties. Jesper Bratt, who is going right. Remember, this is a contract year. He signed a one year deal to stay in New Jersey after he couldn't get an extension, a long term deal done in the off season. And he's going to be an RFA at season's end. And he had a phenomenal year, his best year of his still young career. But he has to show it in the playoffs and through four games while he's had some really good opportunities, there have been times where he has just completely been quiet and he has not stepped up the way that we need him to. And just like with if Panarin and Zibanejad get going, it's going to be that much tougher for the Devils um, involved, you know, playing the Rangers. If Timo and particularly Brett start to find the back of the net and start getting rewarded more it's just going to make things that much more difficult for the Rangers to deal with all of those guys coming at them. And you have to understand, there's also been times where Jack, Nico, Brett, and Timo are all playing in a combined three different lines. So the Rangers are facing at least one dynamic score or one dynamic player in three of the four lines, which is nightmare for any team um, that's going up against them. But again, you know, Nico has stepped up. He hasn't scored yet, but he's made some big plays. As you saw, Jack Hughes has certainly stepped up. Uh, Dougie's gotten better, but you need guys. You need your top guys to be your top guys. That's what you saw from the Rangers through games one and two top guys were their top guys. They got points Um, for the devils. Their top guys have still not fully, you know, stepped up, but they've won two games. Now you're thinking if those, the rest of the team can get going, especially Nico and Timo and even uh, Jesper Bratt, it's going to make things much more difficult for the Rangers moving forward. And that's why game five is even more big because the question I have is which of the guys, as we just talked about, who have not stepped up are going to step up? Who are going to be those guys? That's what I want to see because I think that's going to be the difference for both teams uh, in this game and moving forward in the series. There's one guy that troubles me, and he's my sleeper or under-the-radar guy when I did the preview. And the fact that he hasn't done much in this series, he, the, guy, the guy's going to explode, and I'm worried about that. Because let me f- first preface this by saying this before I reveal the player. And if you read the article, both of you, then <laughs> you, you would know who I'm talking about. But um, I think Jesper Bratt's been noticeable everywhere. I think he's driven every single play. He hasn't scored a goal, but he's right. – he, I think he's got like four assists. He's 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 been incredible. Yeah. The guy that I'm worried about is Dawson Mercer. Dawson Mercer, yep. That's he, the other goal. As soon as he wakes up, the, the the Rangers might be in a in a problem because yeah. this is a guy that had 55 points Correct. in, in yep. the season, and um, he's phenomenal. And yeah, he's been phenomenal. Uh, the kid line looked like it was it was gonna generate the 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 game's first goal. Deflection doesn't go in, and then. Uh, oh, the other way goes Hughes. That's how. That's how minuscule the um, the uh, the the margin of error is in this series. I can't help but keep going on with that. Um, mm-hmm. But I also use this analogy too. Uh, they don't ask you how; they ask you how many. That's that's mm. a, a golf term, and nice. so it doesn't matter if you skull one off a tree and it lands on the green. You two putt uh, on a par three, and that's par. Look at it like that. 
So it doesn't matter who won or lost the first two games of the series, whoever wins game five, which doesn't normally happen that the away team wins the first five games, but who knows what, what comes with this. So, and, and, and right now this comment right here is still, it's still on our Tammy Panarin and well-deserved that you, you, it's, it's amazing how it went, went it, the juxtaposition went from imagine if these two guys can perform to, well, now you're screwing up and how you should yeah. feel that. So. I mean, I would say from the Devils' perspective, the guy, and we've been talking about it today in a couple of days here, is Mika Zibanejad. He's the guy that we're worried about the most getting going. Because when he's on his game, like, there just isn't much that you could do to stop it. Like, even on the power play, when he missed the net, it was still a howitzer. Like, it was still, he hit the backside and you're just like, imagine that puck ends up in the back of the net. Because like nine times out of ten, Zibanejad's standing on that left side, like uh, like Alex Ovechkin, and he's bearing it so much. Um, but he hasn't woken up yet. But there's still three games to go, and the series is tied. So the Devils have to be prepared for that. If and when you know both he and Panarin start to get going, another guy that I'm interested about potentially really waking up is Philip Hedl. I really, really. Out of the three guys on the kid line, he's the guy that I think is the most talented of the three and the guy that could be that major scoring punch. He proved a lot of that in the playoffs last year. Hasn't fully gotten going yet, but he's another guy I think to keep uh, keep an eye on if you're the Devils. And uh, just, again, addressing what Dave said before, Mark saying this, uh, it's ironic because sticks are now a composite. And this one, again, from Puck, yeah, that's saying Panera wants to play exactly one style. And if that style doesn't yield results, oh, well, yeah. yeah. And look, they're, they're going to have to figure out how to make adjustments right here. Um, Mel Bester is saying that the Devils won these last two games because they switched goalies from game one and game two. They went to Akira Schmid, and all of a sudden, the Rangers didn't score much. Yeah, by the way, uh, are you a fan of anime? I am a fan of anime. Okay, so there had to be some Akira memes that you've been throwing out there, right? I haven't personally, like, but I have seen them. Trust me. Um, the funny story really quickly about Akira, because people have asked him, like, how did he get his first name? Uh, his dad is a karate teacher for a long time. So he's just, you know, big fan of big fan of uh, Japanese karate. Um, so he mm -hmm. went with Akira. Because it's oh, just funny, right. because we were thinking, a lot of us thinking, is he part Japanese? He's not. He's just straight up Swiss. He just got a really cool... Um, first name so i mean there's well, that <laughs> I, uh we had a comment yesterday saying that the rangers need to eliminate the devil so that way Switz, uh, switzerland can make a run in the uh the the world championships mm. i'm pretty sure that uh you'd prefer the boys to get their names etched in uh silver right now for um, selfish reasons yeah <laughs> <laughs> very much um look there's and, and a lot of ranger fans are going to look at this and just just throw their hands up and say there's a wasted opportunity i think that's one of the narratives right now which is uh they never have a short series and uh this this could have cost them a chance of the stanley cup that's one thing i did say how important game three was if the rangers won game three it could have been a short series they end up getting out uh quickly and then move on let me just also just say this. I, I tweeted this out last night. I believe you liked it. New Jersey, New Jersey Devils had 111, 112 points yep. this season. 112? Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. It wasn't going to be a sweep. It wasn't going to be easy. 
Like everybody, th- we, we that's a danger of being the Ranger fan or even a New York fan and mm. or a local area fan. Because I'm sure you you feel it too sometimes. You're like, oh, this should be easy. We should be able to get right by these guys. And then you know what? Then you get probably not. It's not very much. Thing, you know, it's yeah. Yeah, you're stumbling around and just go like um yeah. like you're like you're uh the little Joe after he gets hit by Tyson and Mike Tyson's punch out. Not, a lot of us like a lot of Devils fans just ignored it when we were getting bombarded by Rangers fans after game two, saying that we were gonna get swept and that we had no business being in the playoffs because we knew that the devil this was not the devils that we had seen all year long. We knew that if the devils had lost the first two games playing their game and Shesterkin was just a brick wall. Okay. It happens. Right. But we got blown out. So there wasn't much to really evaluate except uh, simply the devils needed to change a bunch. They need to make changes and they did. And everything has worked right now. And if you're Lindy Ruff, there's no need to do anything. Keep the same lines, keep the same goalie until something changes. If the devils continue to have success in the next two games, well, guess what? By the end of this week, we're going to be in the second round of the playoffs. Don't mm-hmm. change anything until you have to. And you know the Rangers are going to come out, and I expect them to have a much better game plan. I expect them to have energy. I expect that. I would not even be shocked if they got the first goal, if they just mm-hmm. immediately stole that momentum, because that's how the series has gone in terms of the teams grabbing it. But make no mistake about it. If you're the Rangers, you don't want to let the Devils get up by two goals. That's the one thing. Last year, the Devils would easily blow multiple goal leads. The way that they played this year, if they give up, if the Rangers give up the first two goals, it's going to be very hard, especially with the way the defensive structure has been. It's going to be very hard for the Rangers to get around it unless they're able to make adjustments. The other thing that's a little scary is that the Devils also are seven games above 500 this season when giving up the first goal. So they really have proven in many ways that it doesn't matter whether they're winning or losing early on. What's important is, you know, how you finish the game. So it's like the old saying goes, it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. And so I think for for both these teams, adjustments are going to be made. Um, I think we're go- I think we're in for a really, really dramatic game number five coming up. I think there might be a potentially three dramatic games that are going to be coming up. By the way, we got 31 of you guys watching right now. Just make sure you hit that like button for us and appease the YouTube gods. So we can be with the algae rhythm. So, um, you, you know, and and first off, by the way, one thing's been bothering me in this interview. I keep looking at the 35 and blanking who 35 is. Yeah, this is actually uh, a Corey Schneider jersey from a couple of years ago. Um, All right. so I, I was I was a big Corey fan when when he was in New Jersey because for a while he was the one bright spot that we had on a team that was you know still trying to figure out what it wanted to be before we officially decided to start slowly rebuilding. Um, but he was always um, I was always a fan of his um, the way he played the game. Um, also, just the per you know the person that he is. Uh, I think, and funny enough, he's still playing in the, not in the NHL, but he's still playing pro hockey's with the Islanders right now in their minor league system with the Bridgeport um, Tigers. Um, but yeah, no, he was, uh, he was awesome. So yeah, my friend actually got this for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's a fanatics one. So I, I don't know if that just signifies the. Um, oh, it's official now. Of, yeah, it's official now, the beginning of the end. Um, if Toronto wins, they will act like they won the cup. Here's the thing. Toronto's probably going to get knocked out in round two. Their reward for finally getting out of the first round is getting the doors blown off them by Boston, which is going to happen. Yeah. So like I, I don't, I like, 
And shame on the Lightning for blowing a three-goal lead last night in the third. Shame on them. No well, excuse. who knows? That that could be the, the spark that actually gets Toronto in. But again, the, the all their experience has been losing. All right, Once well, again, they're one win away. They finished the job. That's all. You yeah. got two games at home. Finish the job. I mean, oh, here, here's here's the one for you. Uh, and it's a if it's a Fanatics jersey, expect the logo to fall off. Expect yeah, uh, yeah. Like, but, not yeah, not looking see. forward to that. Well, you know, I've I think I I have an Alexei Lafreniere that yeah, the, I think the NHL button on the bottom uh, is falling off. Yeah. So, um, well, for, you know what? We get, we got a couple minutes uh, for for this before we start going back to um. Uh, some yeah. of the comments. See what other. I gotta find my. Cool. I gotta find my laptop charger too. Unfortunately, I don't want to leave. I don't want to oh, leave. No, no problem. Watching here. <laughs> well, I mean, if it if it ends up conking down, it'll be a reason for me just to get out of here too. Because uh, I mean, right now three oh nine. First, let me just give you this. We have uh, the poll question today. Who will win this series? So far, it is Rangers in six with forty three percent. 27% saying the Devils in six, 13% the Devils in seven, and 17% the Rangers in seven. Uh, let's get to this comment. Again, this one is from Anthony, uh, our, our control room, Anthony. Um, <laughs> a lot of teams have blown three goal leads. The Jets came back from a down three only to lose in overtime. The Oilers came back from down three to beat LA. Which one of those series is more surprising to you right now? I think right now... Um... And you're talking about what Vegas and Winnipeg, right? And the other yeah. one was Edmonton. Edmonton and LA. I think I think probably Vegas, Winnipeg. Um, and the reason I say that is because nobody should be surprised what LA has done in this series because this is literally carbon copy of last year. It was the same thing. We got to game five, and what happened? The Kings won, had a three games to two lead, and you know, Edmonton came back and won it in seven. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a similar ending to that series. It's the same series just a year just a year later. What I am surprised by was um, the Vegas-Winnipeg series because I expected Winnipeg to – well, first of all, I expected them to, get, um, to lose in five, so they're still on course to do that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm more surprised with the fact that the Golden Knights – really, really shaked off that game one loss and have racked up three in a row. And I think I'm surprised that goaltending has still been uh, a positive for them, despite how many injuries they've had and, you know, a lot of adversity. I'm very impressed with what Vegas has done. Vegas is not the same Golden Knights team that we, a lot of us despised over the last couple of years. They're kind of just there and they're lurking in the shadows almost. Um, But they're very much on their way to winning that series. I will say this though, you can't lose game five if you're Vegas, because I think if you open the door, I know Shifley's hurt and he might be out the rest of the series, but if you give Winnipeg even the slightest opening, they might take advantage of it altogether. They did that last, they did that two years ago when they took on uh, Edmonton in that bubble series. I mean, they swept them, but still the Oilers gave them an opening and they exploited them. The Jets are one of those teams where you can't let them get an opening because with playoff hockey, anything can happen. And you don't want Connor Hellebuck to start really getting on top of his game because not only can he steal games, he can steal series. So don't let Connor Hellebuck get into a groove because if he gets into a groove, this series is going at least six, maybe seven games. Because that's how easily you can have one person 
change a team sport is with the goaltender. Uh, the guy that I always point to with that is is Curtis Joseph, who Ooh. for Edmonton completely stole that series back in 1997 yep. uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, what do you think about this? Kel McCarr suspended one game for his uh, his hit with Jeremy McCann, and Jeremy McCann looks like he might be out for a while. If it wasn't Kale McCarr, I think it would have been a longer suspension. I think that's the way that I look at it. I think that Kale McCarr did that for literally no reason. I think it was unnecessary. It was the frustration that Kale McCarr has been dealing with, not just with the way Colorado's played, but you know he was injured for a lot of this year. He's had a really, really frustrating year overall. Um, but I think in just that situation... Um, there was no need to go over the top with that and kind of slam him not only into the boards, but slam him down on the ice. Um, and good job by Seattle to respond the way that they did and, and ultimately win the game. The ultimate justice for them was winning game four in overtime and obviously mm. tying up the series. Um, that might have been the thing that really knocks the the avalanche off completely because now Kale McCarr again is going to be out of the lineup. Uh, you already have a bunch of guys banged up. Goaltending has been a question mark. And you're allowing a pesky Seattle Kraken team beat you in many ways at your own game. And I think that's really going to be a, a big thing to look at going into game number five back in Colorado. Um, but Kale McCarr getting suspended. Again, if it wasn't McCarr, it would have been a longer suspension. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm just hoping that McCann is okay. Before I highlight this next comment, I do have to say this. One guy that I repeatedly have been sort of apologizing to this year when we talked about our midseason awards of who should win uh, coach of the year and stuff like that. Dave Haxtell has done a great job with the Seattle Kraken. Yes. And when they first named him the head coach, my first thought is, oh, oh, Lou's watching. Lou's watching Lou's us right watching. now. No, <laughs> you don't you don't want to end up with a horse's head in your bed. Yeah. Um, but Dave Haxtell has done a great job. And uh, I, I, I laughed and thought, this is the guy that everybody thinks is going to be a great head coach. But he went on, was an assistant coach at a couple other spots. I believe it was Toronto where he was an assistant coach. And mm. it's obvious that he's he's got this team playing the way he wants this team to play. And they're all looking they're, they're all looking real good. This was always the uh, saying, uh, as Johnny Red points us out, three goal leads in hockey have always been a curse. Three yeah. goal lead, worst lead in hockey. You've heard, probably heard it from your coaches at some point where oh, yeah. it's, you know, three goal lead, got to get the next one, guys, got to get the next one because you let one in, you don't care, you're up by two. And, um, <laughs> fair enough. Okay. See, nice. and, yeah. See, I, I think, uh, I, again, I was deceived and I was tricked by the trickster who's behind the scenes right now as Anthony's playing a little bit of Bugs Bunny to my Daffy Duck, kind of. <laughs> Drawing me into some situations and saying, ain't I a stinker? But uh, the um, there was one time where Anthony uh, gave me Marty St. Louis phone number and I had to call him, but he ended up giving me lose and he laughed about it. I'm going, oh, my goodness. And I hate talking to people on the phone. I'm a babbling idiot. Right. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm on the phone, it's like, yeah, I, I almost I almost get like too personal, not, not too personal, but like too nice and conversational mm -hmm. with like customer service representatives. Where I'll, I'll, I'll often say, how is your day going? I bet not enough people ask that. But anyway, back to the three goal leads. You, you let one in, you go, oh, it's two nothing. Uh, we're, we're, we're up. And then it's, you let in that third, that second one. And now you're on your heels. And before you know it, the third one's in your net. So uh, Dominic is saying, it's, it's crazy how many road teams there are uh, 
uh, road team road wins, wins. Are, and where is the home ice advantage? And the answer is, you know, that's why hockey it doesn't exist. Got to be a good team on the road. Yeah, yeah. You, you could, and I actually think uh, <laughs> I already see David's comment. I have to get to that one. You'd you'd think that it would be more of a home ice thing, but I also say this: I once the the doors close, it doesn't matter home ice. It all matters is that you get the last change and you get to put your stick down before the other centerman. That's about no. it. Uh, that's 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 about it. Uh, Johnny was saying that was an ultimate cheap shot hit. By the way, after the play was over, yeah, uh, this is the Kyle McCarr thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very much after the play. There was no need for that. Uh, David saying, "Don't disrespect Georgie in front of Mark. He won't stand for it because, after <laughs> all, we know my two favorite former New York Rangers are uh, Tony D'Angelo and uh, <laughs> Alexander Georgiev." Oh my goodness! Can we oh, call no, her? no, I can't call Big Lou. I can't Big call Lou. Big Lou. <laughs> Fortunately, that. fortunately, that number is uh, hidden on my phone, and I can't find it ever again. Um, yeah. I haven't deleted it though. That's the one thing, just to mention with that. Um, I just... I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Don't go. worry You're about right me. Don't worry about me. <laughs> All right. Well, you got your. Look how you professional I there. look. How professional I am today, everybody. By the way. <laughs> well, I did call you last minute to try to get this on. Uh, yeah, yeah, no worries. On getting this. Uh, Philk is working on getting on with uh, Two Girls, One Cup, the Dallas Stars podcast. And we'd love to do more of these with uh, other other uh, people in the network as well. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a lot of great people that we have uh, for shows on this on this network. So that's no always question. a good thing. And I'm actually I'm actually going to put this as an episode for the audio podcast. But um, so. We got Toronto, Boston, and Carolina. They're exactly what you expect. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, I definitely took a step back when the um, when the Islanders won Game Three. I was like, okay, and now I was thinking, okay, now this is where the Islanders like get back in the series, and this goes a lot more. And they got smacked in the mouth in Game Four. They really did. That's what got me worried for the Devils about Game Four because I said so far. Both of these series have gone the exact same way, except the mm. difference is Carolina won their two games at home and the Islanders won game three at home. But now it's 3-1, so I'm thinking, mm, I don't want to be in the Islanders position right now, not feeling it. Um, a lot of people might find this surprising, but I actually did take the Islanders in seven in this series because I looked at the way the Islanders kind of ended the season and how they normally play, seeing how Carolina has just continuously gotten more and more depleted. You know, you have Pacioretty out, uh, you know, Shvechnikov out. Now Tavo Teravainen looks like he's going to be out the rest of the playoffs. It just seems like one by one these guys are falling off. But that's a testament to Rob Brindamore getting this team to play at a high level despite losing all of their, you know, a lot of their main guys. And at the end of the day, the Islanders – if you don't score, you're not going to win. And they still lack that offensive punch at times. And, uh, you know, Ilya Sorokin, as good as he is, he can't score, you know. So um, I think the Islanders, you know, they know how big tonight's game is. Be interesting to see how they come out. Um, in terms of the Boston-Florida series, you know, I looked at the first two games, especially how Florida won game two, Mark, and I really said, huh, mm-hmm. this might go a lot longer than I thought. This might be a lot more. And then I saw game three and I'm like, you know what? Never mind. Never yeah. Mind. I, I had the same feeling too. I said this was going to go Boston in six. 
because I had a feeling that they would have some uh, some uh, like trouble with them. Yeah. By the way, just to make sure I update this, it's two girls, one Stanley Cup is the name of the of the of the podcast. <laughs> and correct. and Dave and Dave, we're doing this for analysis. There's we're going to go into the positives and our thoughts on Game Five probably in a few more minutes before yeah. we have to sign off first. Um, uh, but it's uh, so I just want to correct that. Yeah, I I thought that Boston was going to have a little bit of trouble. I still think Linus Allmark is going to hit a speed bump in in the playoffs because you don't just go from zero playoff wins in your career to sixteen like that when you right. start a season. And I keep going back when you're starting a season and when you're the goalie that's played a lot of games and it's the first time you're doing it. There are plenty of guys, Matt Murray, Ken Dryden, uh, Cam Ward, guys that just stepped in and didn't know what they're in for. That's why you got to look at some uh, at a guy like Akira Schmid with a little bit of, uh-oh, uh, mm. this guy this guy could do something. Because again, yeah. the guy, he's... He hasn't played that much in his career, and sometimes just that mental aspect, you got that inexperience, and that's where inexperience is actually a good thing. I'm trying to remember who who said that. It was um, I can I can hold on, wait, Wicked, I can get um, plenty of hockey players' names right. Although I think keep calling him is it Schmidt or Schmid? I, I keep forgetting on that one. But <laughs> here's an idea. Stop taking dumb penalties is what the Islanders are doing. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Christopher Michael, and who also stopped by the bar last night. Um, it's when it but when it comes to when it comes, that's why I predicted again, Vanacek was not going to be one for this series. They put in Schmeen and I was going, oh, that's 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 a big problem, too. I, I just ha- I just had a friend like FaceTime me and I'm just like, I'm, I'm on a I'm on a podcast. I'll, I'll call you in a minute. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's good to be popular today for you. Oh yeah, it uh, it it pays to be popular. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but and our, um, and our, we got to address this one. Our Hurricanes could uh, contributor Pete Mackin. Uh, Anthony's talking some smack right now, saying they're lucky to be up three to one. Well, they've outscored them eight to six on five on five. Yeah. Problem is, there's other aspects of play. I mean, hell, the Islanders have scored more shorthanded goals than uh than the Hurricanes do. Yeah. I mean, like, the, devil, the Devils either. have the, the look at the Devils. The Devils have been outscored five on five, and the series is tied right now. So I mean, you yeah. know, it's you know, and and that's that's a big difference. You know, that you know, again, it, it doesn't. At the end of the day, those stats really, really don't matter. What really matters at the end of the day is just simply what you do in the game that you're playing. And mm-hmm. the reality is that the Islanders. The, the Hurricanes have done a good job of exploiting what the Islanders do well at, and that's playing a tight defensive goaltending type game. And so far through four games, you've seen the Islanders just get beat. And, uh, you know, I wonder to myself if Lambert, I, I, I still question Lambert as the head coach for the Islanders, but I don't want to get too deep into that. Cause obviously I don't, I don't, I'm not an Islanders fan and I don't cover that team, but you know, let it seems switch, like, right. I'm sorry. Let me switch gears and give you a parallel for that. Did you question John Hines? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, and he. I, made question, I questioned John Hines from the moment he got hired to the moment he got fired. So, like, my opinion never changed, even right. because I, I argue this, and a lot of people have agreed with me. The Devils made the playoffs in seventeen eighteen in spite of John Hines' coaching. I just didn't think it was good enough for this team. 
Um, and it, it showed overall because I just didn't think he was – I just don't think he's that good of a coach, if I'm being very honest. Okay. Well, because that, that I would say, is a good parallel to that's Lane fair. Lambert. Yeah, because that's Lane fair. Lambert, you got to worry and, about and it. Remember, Lane Lambert is trying to get out of the shadow of Barry Trotz. Like that's where that's what he's dealing with right now, and I and and you know look look the Islanders have had a pretty rough year with injuries and you know lack of scoring and everything like that. The question is, what is Lou going to do moving forward? That's going to get this team to kind of get to that next step if he's going to mm-hmm. still be here. But you know we'll see. But I will say this: if the Islanders win Game Five, the series is going seven. Because I just don't Agreed. see the Islanders losing another game at UBS. That crowd is too raucous and too intimidating. And the Islanders, they always find a way, and especially in the playoffs, to get that magic, you know, boost. Not magic boost, but that extra boost to uh, win. So if Carolina loses tonight, it's going seven, whether mm-hmm. people want to admit it or not, which I'm all for, honestly. I really am. Because I'm pushing for Devils Islanders second round. Because I'm very good friends with uh, – a uh, girl by the name of Kim Moisa, Isles Girl 3 on Twitter. She's a really good friend of mine. Is Huge she the, uh, She's the lipstick girl, right? Correct. That's what everybody yeah, yeah. that's what everybody yeah. calls it. Yeah. She she and I are really good friends. Um, and we've talked about before what it would be like to go back and forth in a playoff series. So, you know, that's that's the way I look at it. Um probably not gonna happen, but you know, crazier things have happened before. Neil, I gotta tell you, as as a as a bartender. I, the last thing I want to see is a Rangers Islanders series. There were guys talking smack about Rangers Islanders on uh, one o'clock in the afternoon. Neither team was playing each against each other. It was Islanders game four. And, and I looked over and went, and you guys want a series between these two teams and for me to serve alcohol, to these people. Absolutely not. It's a very um, dangerous game. You're playing there. <laughs> Wicked is asking this question. He's a longtime Islander fan that, uh, since you're a Devils fan, what do you think of Lou? I guess, is he asking what do I think of Lou now or just in general? Like, I think what, in like general. What, I think in general. Okay. So let's put it this way. I love this. That's a great, that is a great – that's great, by the way. I absolutely love that that picture. That is that is legendary. Um, if you guys could send that to me, I would greatly appreciate that. Picture. Absolutely. I'll get that. I'll get that sent out. It's hilarious. But in terms of Lou, look, obviously I love what Lou did with the New Jersey Devils. I think what he did and how he built the team was conducive to the NHL game at the time. He built that team through an example made by the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, you look at the former Habs that eventually became part of the Devils as players and his coaches. He, he nice did pronunciation, a phenomenal- by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I, yeah. I try to, I try to be as, um, proper as I possibly can uh, when, I, when I talk about these teams. But then, you know, when he went to – I think he did a really good job of building the Leafs as much as, you know, the Leafs haven't won anything, and I get that, and Kyle Dubas has done a lot himself. It, it doesn't happen if Lou doesn't make the moves that he did and obviously get in some of those top-tier players. And I think, you know, you could see Lou knew what he was doing. So when he got hired by the Islanders, I was saying, give it at least two or three years and the Islanders are going to be back on top. And he proceeds to take them to -to back-to-back conference finals. And that didn't shock me. And then you look at, you know, last year was very tough. This year was tough. I know a lot of Islander fans were screaming for Lou to either be fired or get a top-six scoring guy, whether that was Timo Meyer or Patrick Kane or even Bo Horvat. And they got Bo Horvat. And that was, I think, a really good pickup for them. But the question I still have is that does it feel like the game is passing Lou by a little bit? And I would argue to say yes, because as great as their defensive structure is, 
They still can't score. And that's the thing that has really been frustrating for Islander fans. So right now, I will always love Lou as a Devils fan. Looking at the Islander situation, this is what Lou was doing at the end of his time in New Jersey. Only difference is the Islanders are good enough to make the playoffs, but they're the oldest, one of the oldest teams in the NHL. What, and they have a lot of former Devils as well, which is not a shock. Um, so, you know, I'd say to the Islander fans, just hope that Lou decides at some point to uh, to step down because you're just going to keep getting older as the years go on, just like his, just like him. Well, the good news for him is his philosophy has been really good, and uh, he's installed a culture to the Islanders that once Lou does step aside, no matter what, it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, of course. But once he does, the Islanders, you at least know that this organization is in good hands from Ledecky all the way down to whoever the coach is going to be. And uh, although there's a guy that uh, Phil threw out there, if he if he becomes available, the Islanders should jettison Lane Lambert, and that's uh, Mike Sullivan if he becomes available. But yeah, goodness only knows. And then oh, well, goodness. I will say this as well for the Islanders fans: if Kyle Dubis gets fired from Toronto, which I mean, a lot of signs point to him maybe getting fired if the Leafs don't do something. Um, if I heard the Islanders, I think you'd consider. I think you would. I think you should consider it because I think Kyle Dubas is is as good of a GM as anybody in the league. He does a lot. He seems to be a GM that like every fan wants. The guy who makes it like it's NHL twenty three and just buy and just continues to buy everybody that he can think of and spend all this money. Um, I think the Islanders would benefit from getting a jolt like that. They do have some good pieces, and I think they need a little bit young. Not a little bit. I think they do need a younger mind in there. I love Lou, like I said before, but I think his expiration date is on the horizon here in terms of his hockey career. Yeah, and just a reminder for everybody, make sure you're hitting the like button. Yeah, and Lou has done a lot of great jobs, great steals. Pelik Pollock got Sorokin out of Russia, which was – not a guarantee under Gart Snow. It was not. Um, and then shedding Andrew Ladd's contract. Look, they're going to lose another draft pick out of that. But that was a contract that was an absolute albatross, and it was just forcing this team down. All right. Let's go with our thoughts for Game 5 and right. close out uh, this, this video right now. Um, what to you is the keys for the Devils to win Game 5? Keep playing the way you're playing right now because clearly the structure you have is working. It's frustrating the Rangers um, and, and from a defensive side. Uh, in terms of the offense, you got to throw – I keep saying it before every game. Throw everything at the net. Everything. No matter where you are, throw it at the net. And you have to understand, and you see it, Mark, Shesterkin is not afraid to play the puck in the most unopportune times. Look at game four. He played the puck behind the net – and he nearly turned it over, and Siegenthaler should have backhanded it. If he backhands that shot, he hits a wide-open net, and he scores earlier than he ended up actually scoring anyway. Um, but Shesterkin does take a lot of risks, and you got to find a way to take advantage of those risks. you got to make him make those mistakes. And I think crashing the net, I think being physical with Shesterkin, not physical in the sense of constantly try to run it, run him over, but just get in front of him, make him uncomfortable, get him pissed off. I think that works. I think that that definitely, it, it worked in these last two games. I don't think Timo Meyer deliberately tried to go head first into Shesterkin, but when Braden Schneider's cross-checking you into the goalie, 
I don't really know exactly what you can do. And I don't know why Shesterkin got as mad as he did. And I don't get why Rangers fans got as mad as they did because I said, Timo wasn't trying to even, he was trying to get up. And he gets right. up and gets cross-checked into Shesterkin. Why does Shesterkin get mad? Get mad at Schneider for checking him into you. I think that, I, and that happened, I believe, right before Hughes scored in game that three. Was, yeah, the penalty, that was the Shesterkin penalty. So Shesterkin basically gave the Devils a goal by taking a penalty. And you know what? He uh, and Gallant, yeah, it's a good. That's a good. I, point. I have to agree with this. Gallant is gone. I, if, I agree. I think there's two dominoes that'll come into effect on this. And the funny part is that Filk touched on this in uh, just a talking point on a final buzzer, which is if Mike Sullivan for some reason is let go, Gallant will be let go in favor of Mike Sullivan because that's yeah. how much there's a lot of favoritism that way. I like Gallant. However, I'm not a fan of Gallant's coaching at times. He's he seems to get as much out of the players to like get their energy going, but it's sort of like tensing a muscle to me. It's it's like he's uh, and then yeah, you got to let go of the muscle eventually, and and that's that's just what it is. It's funny because also before I get into my keys for Game Five for the Rangers, I describe him. By the way, I was going to say really quickly, I describe Gallant very similar to Tom Thibodeau, the head coach of the Knicks. It's kind of like that same thing. I know a lot of Knicks fans that. You know, they like Tom Thibodeau, but his coaching style at times, especially with how he treats young players, like really young players, can be like, you know, he's too stressful at times on them, like all the time. Yeah. Um, I want to just say, though, I give Galan a lot of credit for going after Panarin and Zibanejad in the postgame presser after game four, because yeah. I think that needed to happen. I think that need because they're like, these guys are not stepping up. And he called out his team and said, we're complaining too much instead of just trying to get back to our game. And I think that that's a good thing by the devils, but I also think it means, you know, Gallant's got to find a way to, you know, be more, uh, got to find a way to make changes if you want to win game five and moving forward. And I do, I, I do have to say in this, the way this season is gone, the, the, I thought the Rangers were dead after the devils wiped the floor with them. The first game at the garden and the right. Rangers took the two, nothing lead. Uh, I thought that the uh, that the Devils were going to do it again the following week, and then that ended up being the Heatle game winner in right. overtime that turned their season around. And then when the Devils had that tough stretch at the end of December, when the Rangers were up three to one, and then the Devils come back and Severson gets the OT winner. Right. That's it's it's been so many. Uh, I used the term before juxtapositions or just turns uh, just absolute turns of momentum for each team in their own season. This has already been a miniature version because the devils losing the first two games, getting waxed the way they were turn this around completely. Now they're playing defensive and now they could do this. The Rangers have to attack the middle of the ice, keep drawing penalties. And I think it sounds funny to say, I think you need to shrink the ice a little bit because the devils are taking away the cross ice pass, right? Yet, just start working just one side of the ice and then work it back the other way, work the right. inside and then get to, uh, or the outside and then get to the inside. There's gotta be more. And cause, cause by the way, I do think Chris Drury's done a great job assembling the talent on this team. I think this is the most talented team. The Rangers arguably has ever had. Yeah. And getting by the devils is not going to be easy, but uh, all of us, <laughs> <laughs> and Anthony good. is just going wild in the control room right now. Apparently so. Um, yeah. But uh, it's it's not going to be easy. 
keep doing what as far as the Sturkin goes, keep doing what you're doing. You had one bad goal in the series. That's it. Uh, and for the Rangers, make sure you attack, get second chance opportunities. Can't be one and done. You can't go in, miss the net. And then the next thing you know, you're out. And Artemi Panarin, if he has to sit on power play one, he's got to sit on power play one. Because if that's what it's going to take to wake him up, maybe even putting him on the left side and Kane in the bumper. Although I, I don't think Patrick Kane works well in the bumper. If you need to get Mika Zibanejad out into the uh, the Ovechkin spot. You know, it's great, by the way, that you could always say the Ovechkin spot. Everybody knows exactly where it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I even hear it like, I even hear youth coaches, you know, criticizing players like stop standing in the Ovechkin corner and move around. So, you know, I, th- I think Ovi's got to trademark that, by the way. I think he's got to trademark that. Oh, yeah. I mean, hell, 99, uh, Wayne Gretzky's office was right behind the net. So right. it's uh, – but it's, people also don't understand. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin's got one of the best one-timers of all time. He does. So that's the reason why he could stand there. There's only one other guy I would even compare to him for that spot on the power play. I would say Brett Hull, but Brett Hull would get in more in tight at times. Right. But – um, so that's what I'd have to say is the critical part of the Rangers getting in, get a power play goal, get on the offensive. If you have to, you have to get the first goal in this game. I don't think power play goal. Yeah. Uh, power yeah play goal I don't think it's going to help. Yeah. Because the, the, you look at the devils, the devils have really started to find their game five on five. That's where they're, that's where they're at their strongest offensively. The, de- mm-hmm. the Rangers, the, what they're at their strongest when they're on the power play. And you look at the last two games. They've had eight power plays and didn't score in any of them. They've had a lot of good chances, do not get me wrong, but they haven't scored. And I think a big difference, the Devils have been able to win a lot of faceoffs to start a power play and immediately clear the puck the other way. So the Rangers can't immediately set it up and immediately attack. They have to get it back in the zone and, you know, dump it in and things like that. Um, The Devils penalty kill is showing again why it was one of the top in the NHL this year. Um, they've found their game again in terms of that. But if you're the Devils, you have to stay out of the box. You have to. You can't let that power play get X amount of chances because eventually they're going to score. Chris Kreider scored four goals in the first two games all because of the power play. You don't go on the penalty kill, he probably doesn't score. Maybe he does. I mean, he does have one even strength goal so far through four games, but he has made a living off being in front there. But, you know, the Devils got to find a way to keep winning faceoffs, as um, and New York Ranger for Life, you know, mentioned. Uh, power plays, you know, particularly. Um, the Devils have just been able to find a formula that works. Got to stick to it from that defensive spot. Mm-hmm. Offensively, like I said, pucks to the net, pucks to the net, pucks, pucks to the net. And when we're on the power play, shoot the puck. Enough of this passing it a thousand times. Shoot it. You have a deadly top power play unit. You have guys that can fire it from anywhere. Fire it from anywhere. Just throw it, even if it gets blocked. So what? At least you're trying. I want to see that. I want to see aggressiveness. That's what I want to see from this Devils team offensively. All right. And we're going to get out before I cue the music. Who wins game five? Uh, I'm, you know, bias. I'm, I'm, I'm going to sound biased, but I got the Devils no, winning. Four. It's not biased I, if you, what your opinion is. My opinion is that I think the Devils are going to win game five. I think they're going to win four to two with an empty netter. All right. Uh, I think they're going to have to go to a, to a more defensive game. Uh, you know what? We might be looking at another 2-1 overtime game. I would not be surprised. Very possible. And uh, I'm going to – if it's the Rangers, I'll say it's it's probably like um, 
I'm going to go Barkley Goudreau once again. I've been kind of d- beating this drum. That fourth line was so good to conclude the season and in the first two games of the series. They yeah. need to be that good again. Start the fourth line. Get get some bodies on the floor. And then come back with the kid line. And you know what? That means Patrick Kane gets out fourth. Who freaking cares? That's what the answer is. As long as you could do that. Dominic is saying 5-2 Rangers. We will see about that. If the games open up again, I do think it would be um, – it, it would not benefit them. All right. Once again, Neil is for a uh, devil state of mind. You guys could follow him right there. He, because uh, you could always tag us for and retweet this and have everybody else do that. Anthony is killing Alexei Lafreniere right now. He going up with you guys. He won't let that graphic go right now. Okay. Yes, Lafreniere zero points. His efforts been there, but the, the production has not. <laughs> So, uh, and I always like to play this song because it was uh, from my cousin Phil from years ago, and it's entitled Bye Bye. Uh, but so, uh, just always to start this uh, this process because usually if I don't do this, I end up staying on for half an hour, and everybody nice. knows about that. Oh wait, there's a bold prediction right here: the Rangers win three two in a shootout. Shootout. Mm. We'll mm. see. They, they, they bring back the shootout just for this game. Yeah, just for this game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Again, Neil, thanks very much. We were trying to get you on. And it was good that we finally got you on with the series as even as as opposed to, say, trying to get you on when you were down 0-2. Yeah, right. Yeah. It would have been a bloodbath. But, um... But yeah, this is uh, this series is not over, and I think we still have to settle in for another couple more games. Absolutely. All right. Everybody, thanks very much for joining us on this special episode this week. Oh, wait. Hold on. We got to get your predictions tonight. Islanders versus Canes. Islanders win three to two in overtime on a game-winning goal from Brock Nelson. Wow! All right, Brock That's Nelson. A, that is that is a good prediction. Uh, it's hard not to want to pick the Canes. I know it's hard not to want. To, I picked the Canes in seven to begin with. I'm going to go. Canes win. Canes win four to one. Maybe maybe five to two. Uh, they'll okay. be an empty netter. I think the Islanders do score first. I I just I don't like the way the Islanders have played in this series. They've been undisciplined. They've been giving the puck away. They've been taking bad penalties. They've been uh, their ninth ranked penalty killing unit is getting waxed by the uh, uh, the twentieth ranked power play unit in the league. That's mm-hmm. not the way to run it. So. Uh, no shot in hell for Sorokin allows five again. I'm not I'm not saying he allows five. I'm saying he allows four empty netter. Um, <laughs> and a matter of fact, some of those, that's not even on him, Anthony. There's no shot on that. It's true. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I, I can also see them tightening up and making this an overtime game. And Absolutely. I do agree with Anthony, though. If they win this game, it's going seven. And throw it all out the window, especially when you have Ilya Sorokin in net. Yep. Everybody, once again, thanks very much for joining us. Tomorrow is going to be the weekly show with Mr. Anthony LaRocco and John Falkowski, and we're going to be doing a lot more talking about this series that we were just talking about just now, as well as, of course, the uh, Canes Islanders. Is there going to be a game six? We're going to find out in a few hours. Thank you very much, and have a great night, guys.